0: Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Dallas, Texas, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. And we are back with another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Lee Cantor and Stone Payton here with you. Also got Miss Pam Porter back in the studio with us. This is going to be a very interesting segment. We have with us Vice President Channel Marketing, Mr. Barry Seidner. Um, who are you with, Barry?
1: I'm with a company called Inside Secure. Inside uh, Secure. You're going
0: to have to
2: get yeah, grab that to mic. you got to get Rockstar close to that mic. Okay, Rockstar. There close. You <laughs> there you go. There you go. So Inside Secure, what are you guys doing for folks? We do security technology
1: that's embedded into computer chips. Mm-hmm. And inside, routers, hubs, gateways, networks. Those chips, phones, exactly Mm -hmm. right. Those chips basically do network security protection and authentication of users.
2: And that seems to be a hot topic nowadays. Yeah. Protecting uh, one's identity,
1: (laughs) authenticating, making sure no one can uh, impersonate you as well as steal your data or change your data is paramount to operating over a public open network.
2: And so you guys um, work... By putting something in the actual chip as opposed to a software solution?
1: Actually, we are cryptographic um, inventors. So people that make chips buy the cryptographic recipe from us Mm -hmm. to implement cryptographic algorithms that implement those network security.
0: You get that, sir? I did, but I wanted to know, have you seen the imitation game? Have you seen that movie? Um, Yes,
1: I have, and that was a very good shot at what we call brute force attacks. Mm -hmm. So what he did in that system was he said, I'm just going to try a bunch of numbers until I find one that works. Mm -hmm. So his little (laughs) computer just spiraled around until it could find a number. But brute-force attacks take many, many years to accomplish, and usually uh, by the time a brute-force attack is successful, the data is outdated or no longer relevant.
2: So now how are companies um, utilizing this technology? Or is this like a must-have technology nowadays?
1: It's a must-have technology for anybody that operates over the network. But you use it today, you just don't know about it. Uh So anytime you talk to the bank, right, we're using uh, HTTPS. That's an SSL-based encryption technology that authenticates you as you, authenticates your bank as your bank, and makes sure that anybody that's listening can't see your data or modify your data.
2: So when you hear of these kind of attacks, is that just typically some... user just made a mistake or they didn't Well they should have called Barry first and it wouldn't (laughs) have happened Exactly (laughs) In the first place Because my password's password Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a problem That's a personal problem but I would tell you most of the big attacks that today occur uh, like for Neiman's and Target and Home Depot the way those are successful is not by attacking the cryptography but by attacking the employees that have the keys that allow you in the door
2: Mm Mm-hmm that's the weak link is the human being. It, it truly Imagine is. Imagine that. It truly <laughs> is. Right. So, to- Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I will to say, I'm going to get a chance to travel to Italy. And one of the, the last time I went across the pond, I noticed, I went to a place and my credit card wouldn't work because it didn't have the chip in it. So this time I told Holly, I said, if we're going back mm-hmm. across the pond, I want a credit card with me that has the chip. Is this kind of bumping into your world a little bit, this chip mm-hmm. thing?
1: Absolutely. We make those chips. Okay, (laughs) So we sell those to MasterCard and Visa and Discover and Amex and and all the different um, uh, verticals in the marketplace. So by the way, having the chip isn't good enough. So in America, we have chips and today authentication occurs with those chips with what we call uh, chip and signature. But in Europe, it's all chip, chip and PIN. So if you're going to get a credit card to work in Europe, you have to ask for a chip that uses chip and
0: pen. Chip and pen. I'm glad I asked. I'm going in a few weeks See right that? after graduation. But no, I can remember we had to leave Holly hostage mm. for me to go use my regular no-chip mm. card to go get. It was probably Euro. It probably wasn't Lira. It probably wasn't that long ago.
1: lira has been <laughs> gone for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I'm showing my
0: age now. <laughs> so uh, how did you get into this business? Because um, um, this didn't exist when you were in school. I mean, I don't mean to call you old or yeah, anything, but. Yeah. This wasn't a career when you were in school, was it, or was it?
1: It was, uh, it was not available nor being sought after when, you know, in the 70s or 80s or 90s. Right, right. You know, security across, I mean, the networks, well, the networks didn't exist, so security wasn't necessary. People wrote um, checks with a signature, and everyone thought they were good without any authentication. Mm-hmm. So the way I got into this is uh, uh, being a computer designer and implementing uh, computer networks and systems myself, then becoming, you know, a, a spokesperson for the technology, uh, that spokesperson position turned me into a, a, a VP of sales and then VP of marketing today.
2: So now, as VP of marketing, how does um, the how does the learning and communications element come into play?
1: Well, um, as as you would expect, we have online net, uh, methodologies as well as direct methodologies. Um, Today, the first thing we have to do is understand our listener and then design our methodology to get to that listener in a way they can consume it. Mm-hmm. So we first start out with knowing who our audience is, and then we have internal systems for what I would call employees. And employees are segmented into uh, business employees, technology employees, marketing employees, uh, then analyst employees you know, people that talk just to the analysts and people that talk to um um, uh, other other uh, editorial com- 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 companies. So, so
2: surely you can't treat a marketing person like an analyst. <laughs> no, you have to be a lot
1: more careful with the analyst because they will write <laughs> things you don't say as well as some things you do say.
2: So, so is that a challenge to kind of craft the right messaging for each of those constituents?
1: It, it, it absolutely is because analysts... And the press will only write about things that are punctuated with individuality. In other words, if it's not newsworthy, they'll, they won't write about it. So it's got to be very specific and very uh, sharp, very unique for them to carry the message on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the internal customers or clients are people that have to carry a, the whole product, the whole message, the value proposition, as well as why this is good for the customer and why are we differentiated by our by our competitors
0: so Pam I want to ask you as someone who serves organizations like this do you find that with the advent of all this uh intensified security in in an organization like this and and others that the vetting process of organizations like yours that serve organ is it is it stricter is it more difficult are you finding that there's more and more security and they and that's part of what they want to know it's I mean, do they run background checks and all that stuff? Or? It, they, that possibly can be part of the components that we use. Yeah, have to also, be cleared Yeah, we, we really um, take the, <laughs> the client company's direction, and we have the flexibility and the capability to vet our candidates before they get to meet them. And then certainly uh, we would be cooperating with the client company on putting our candidates through any vetting process internally that the company may have. So we do both. So I mean, I'll ask Barry the same thing. I mean, you guys—you mm-hmm. have to be like, even, or you probably are, are, more careful than the average bear when it comes to bringing on anybody, right? In well, we
1: actually don't hold the keys for the security technology we provide. We sell the recipe, and then the keys are held by the person that buys the security and implements it. Mm-hmm. So um, the only people that actually hold the keys are, which we call um, uh, trust. Uh, what I would call the root of trust were people like Verisign. So today, when you go to a, a website that uh, uses Verisign certificates, you'll see the URL bar turn green, which shows that that certificate is being authenticated by Verisign. So they actually saw, you know, hold the root keys. Okay. Um, but you know, we we do the standard employee checks that you would find in the marketplace today about you know arrest record and um, fraudulent activity.
0: Sorry, Lee. Yeah, what? Lee, you're out of trouble. <laughs> this trouble. Is a, I'll never make trouble. trouble. He's got a red I'll X on now. his shirt already. So. There's no green
2: bar <laughs> showing up anywhere near me.
1: <laughs> if it is, you're drinking at it, right?
0: <laughs> so I want to ask you, because you mentioned sales and marketing. Okay. Uh, how's the sales and marketing thing work for a company like yours? Are I mean, are you out pounding the pavement, or you've got a team out pounding the pavement? or is this Or is this the kind of thing that there's... Just a great deal of demand for, and then you you do get a chance to talk with people. It's just a matter of really differentiating yourself once you get in the conversation.
1: Um, So that's a very good question. So we have vertical salespeople that are focused at certain market segments. One segment is the Internet of Things market segment. Another one is enterprise security. In other words, is the EMV space, which is the payment space. And the other one is the financial space. So we have very specific, what I call tall and thin market specialists focused at the bottom of the marketplace. And then we have the market segment managers that basically look across the top that, if you will, uh, try to penetrate from the tops down. So bottoms up, tops down, both paths.
2: And then you work on training for each one of those segments?
1: Um, Absolutely. In fact, um, so the finance uh, segment training is very different than what you'd find in the Internet of Things training. Right. Right. You know, today, training for a credit card authentication process is different than training for implementing security in your home thermostat.
2: And But (laughs) is that training in terms for the employees there, or does the training also have to trickle down to the end user of the product? In in, in a sense,
1: we train the trainer, right? So when we train a sales guy about our product, right, right? He's training his customer about our product. Right, exactly. Right? So quite often, you have to build a larger template, and then the sales guy will take that and apply what he's learned from a smaller form factor to the given position he's got with the customer who's got a problem in mind.
2: Mm -hmm. And then when you're working on that, are you partnering with that salesperson in order to craft the training that is most effective or yeah, are you absolutely, doing...
1: absolutely so it's a collaboration yeah quite often sales guys even though they're um sales guys they don't always know what not to say as well as what to say <laughs>
2: <right>? imagine that <laughs> right. sales tend to talk a lot uh,
1: they, <laughs> they 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 can have um an ability to run on a little bit but most importantly it's important to know what your customer is doing in their market what their problem is and then craft the message to be specific to their given situation.
0: Mm-hmm. And so tell us about the yardstick or yardsticks that you use to, to measure the success. What, uh, How do you know if it's successful? And does that change from group to group, industry to industry?
1: Um, you know, I'm sure the yardstick for every industry is revenue, right? But there are yardsticks before revenue. So Quite often, you know, it's very expensive to find a lead, turn a lead into a prospect, turn a prospect into an opportunity, an opportunity into money. Right. Right. So quite often, just like the funnel, you've got many at the top, very few at the bottom. Uh, the yardstick to measure each one of them is how, how many do you have and which ones proceed to the next phase? Right. Mm-hmm. So we use technologies online like salesforce.com and, um, web, um, instruments or analytics like from HubSpot that will look at who's hitting your website, um, what web pages are they going after, how long they're spending on that web page, and if they've left, uh, filled out a form with their name asking for more information.
2: So when you're doing that much marketing automation, how important is creating that meaningful content in order to help the person through the buyer journey?
1: Well, it's, it's instrumental to get the person or the opportunity interested in the technology and the product but quite often the message is shaped much more sharply and more specifically to that customer during the sales engagement process
2: but it, uh, it aren't more of your customers coming to the table with a lot more knowledge and wanting more knowledge before they even get close to the in the sales process
1: quite often that's true not only is security technology becoming more oh um ubiquitous. There are also more and more competitors in the space. So um, quite often our target customers will interview a variety of different competitors uh, uh, to try to determine who's the best person to buy from.
2: Right. I mean, at one point in time, the salesperson was had the knowledge that they were sharing with the buyer. And it seems in today's world, the buyer is coming to the Table with a lot more knowledge, pretty well
0: informed. In a lot of cases, I don't know about this industry.
2: Maybe but not informed accurately. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but they, they think they're, they're informed. informed. Yeah, just right.
0: you got to keep in
1: mind also that there are different types of buyers. If you've uh, if, if you've read any of the real more more current sales books, there's an economic buyer, a technology buyer, a user buyer, an executive buyer, and as part of the sales process, you have to basically win over every single one of those to actually conclude into revenue, but you know, to your point, the the technology we're using here today on the radio has evolved since it was ten years ago too, regardless right. of its security. So it's becoming smaller, more nimble, easier to use. I mean, you and I drive a four thousand pound car with a steering wheel and a brake pedal and a gas pedal. I mean, how many vehicles or devices can you move around that weigh that much that operate so quickly and, and so simply and that
2: anybody can use? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: right. They, you know, if you look at it, how many levers in in something that moves dirt you commonly think about how complex these systems really can be
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so what's your favorite part of the job what do you like the most
1: Hmm. i i would say the successful marketing campaign that results in new opportunities for the company uh, are probably my biggest critical success factors so (laughs) it's not just leads it's really building opportunities. I'm not responsible for closing sales. I've done that before for many years. I, you know, I fought the fight. Um, it's, that's a lot of fun. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but these people, the salespeople need a a funnel of opportunities. So my job is bringing them more and more opportunities that they can't reach.
2: Now, how in, in today's world, it seems there's a blurring of the lines between sales and marketing Mm-hmm. Where at one point, you know, marketing's like, well, I've got the leads. These guys can't sell it. And then the salespeople <laughs> are like, well, if you give me better leads, then I'd be able to sell more stuff. <laughs> that never happens anywhere else. That's just business radio
0: ads. <laughs> it sounds like Glenn, Carry Glenn Haas. Remember that movie? Right? Right. right.
2: So now in your organization, how do you kind of get everybody working together so that you're, you know, you're all on the same team here?
1: Um, It's a massive problem of broad communication. Email is, uh, email, Skype, um. Uh, and um, texting and um, lastly phone calls I mean the least efficient today, believe it or not is phone calls because you know you can communicate to so many people using email mm-hmm. so uh, uh, you know I think corporate communications have become you know an a, sometimes a a problem for communication as well as um, a, an asset and using them wisely is very important. I will tell you that many times when I get uh, an email that looks um inappropriate is usually disguised by the person that wrote it because they didn't know what they were really communicating at the time. So quite often, if I see something that looks abrupt or curt, then I'll always pick up the phone call and talk to that person. 99% of the time, they're, they're not implying or meaning any of the bad right. things. that Well, that's one through. of
2: the challenges of email. You know, sarcasm doesn't come through as well. <laughs> right. around it, doesn't work <laughs> as well on email. It
1: doesn't transition <laughs> cultures. Right. Uh, as oh, well. yeah.
2: You start talking globally. Forget about it. You got to really be careful.
1: Well, we are a global company. The company I work for is based in uh, Aix-en-Provence. Mm-hmm. So uh, I find myself dealing with a lot of French people. Uh, who struggle with translation, No, not alone, you know, the idea, nuances, conveyance. Right, sure. right?
0: So that's got to be interesting working in different countries because selling, is the messaging different to people in to market, different markets?
1: It, it's um, similar in most countries. In the Orient, it tends to be very different. Now, Japan, Asia, Korea, Singapore, Taiwan, China, those tend to be uh, places where we have to homologate our message which means translate our message into local understanding.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you finished that sentence because I was reaching in my briefcase for a dictionary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to use that in the next interview. There you go. <laughs> homologate? Ask, homologate. Don't ask me to spell it. Well, keep up the good work, man. It sounds like fascinating work.
1: Oh, yeah, it it is. It's it's constantly moving, and it's very exciting. So right. if somebody
2: wanted to learn more, is there a website for you guys?
1: Well, we have a website at mm-hmm. Um But if you Google any of these typical cryptographic words, you will find a dearth <laughs> of information out there.
0: All right, let's bake this cake yeah. Like <laughs> a recipe. Yeah, there's a recipe out there. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Barry. Thank you. All right. We'll be back in a few from Training Pros Dallas. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros,
1: your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.